Welcome to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Rapici and Barry Falk. This is part one of a two-part discussion on Bernard Stiegler's Automatic Society. Over the course of the next two episodes, we discuss what we believe to be the core concepts of his argument. This episode addresses the algorithm and 24-7 culture. In addition, we discuss some of the key thinkers that Stiegler engages. I hope you enjoy. Today is introduce our listeners to um, a thinker and talk about some keywords and concepts developed by a thinker that's uh, been very important to us in the previous year. Um, and in fact, I guess we could say that Stiegler was kind of where we met. Reading Stiegler is kind of how we met together and how we embarked on this project. And that in a way, everything we've read since then, right, has sort of been an unfolding with Stiegler. Yeah. Um, or sometimes we would bring in writers that Stiegler doesn't mention, like William Burroughs and or Simone Bay and see how, because we noticed some thinkers that we brought in, like Heidegger, uh, are, are thinkers who are kind of master thinkers for, for Stiegler as well. And so to understand, better understand Stiegler, we had our uh, path to Heidegger uh, prior to this podcast, where we were trying to catch up on the Heidegger and trace roots, and trace Heidegger's legacy in, in, in Stiegler. Uh, and I guess this is all ongoing projects, but I guess that was the first part of our of our intellectual pathway together, Michael and I. Um, and then also we would bring in writers that we that McClure, that aren't mentioned necessarily specifically by uh, Stiegler, like Marshall McLuhan, Simone Weil, William Burroughs, Shakalul, but that we felt were when we read them, um, because we were told to read them to find out more about technology uh, and society and the lingering and the legacy of technological innovations on thought and philosophy. Um, We saw many, many connections. So that's kind of the origin of the project. So Stiegler is very important for us. And in a way is a kind of background to everything we have been discussing in this podcast and this current iteration of the podcast. Does that sound right? Yeah, I, I mean, Stiegler really set the lens for us. Um, and I think that all of the, the, the thinkers that we've you know, engaged with um, are really a part of the discussion because of how we read Stiegler. I mean, this is a massive volume. Um, and and you know, I, trying to figure out how to talk about them, uh, it became very clear very quickly that we were not going to be able to talk about all of him. Um, so we've taken four concepts from Stiegler that we're going to address here. Um, his notion of uh, 24-7 society, um, uh, the algorithm, uh, the retentions, and, and, and his you know, discussion of uh, the pharmacon as sort of touch points to the larger argument. Um, That's Right. Exactly. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. Let me fill in two more pieces Yeah. just to, just for listeners to sort of give more context for the discussion. I'm going to do what all true scholars do, which is open with Wikipedia and just read a couple germane things just to tell listeners who Stiegler is and some of his themes. Um, but then you also reminded me of something else we need to do, but let me do this first. Wiki. 
Bernard Siegler recently passed. He passed uh, in the year of our COVID uh, 2020 uh, on the 5th of August, French philosopher. I thought, Michael, I don't know if you knew this, and I just discovered, or rather I'm, I was projecting as I so often do, my ignorance onto you. I didn't know this, so I assume nobody else knows. That's, that's fair, that's totally fair. But okay, now we knew this part of the puzzle, but Wikipedia reminds us that he founded a political and cultural group, Ars Industrialists, in 2005. Now that's important because the Ars, he makes reference in the book, oh, and, and the other bit of fill in, necessary bit of fill in. I don't know, did you mention this, that the, the concepts we're gonna be discussing today come from the Automatic Society, volume one? No, I didn't. Okay. The Automatic Society, it comes from Siegler's book. The concepts we'll be discussing today come from volume one of The Automatic Society. And in the subtitle, Michael, is The Future of Work. The Future of Work. Future of Work. And so we're talking about those concepts today. Stiegler mentions his working group, which was an interdisciplinary. I don't know that much about it. Uh, and Wiki does not tell me that much about it, but... Uh, we know from the book that it seems to have been a loose consortium of scholars and also it seems tech people and entrepreneurs who are interested in coming up with practical means, perhaps lawyers. Uh, law is a big concern of Stiegler in many different aspects in the automatic society. But it seems that the, uh, uh, the Ars Industrialist group was kind of an NGO meant to um, intending or aiming to produce kind of counterbalances to the algorithm, which we'll talk about, counterbalances to uh, industrial society. The Ars Industrialist Group seems to have been something of an NGO meant to uh, a planning group, and the aim was to change, I think, inter, uh, to create therapies, to use Stiegler's words, for the pharmacon of digital culture. And I, I don't know that, I, I won't speak more of it because he alludes to it in the book, but I really don't know the practical, I do sense that this was kind of the practical arm of his critique of digital technology and, uh, and his, uh, his critique of digital technology and the effects that he assumed uh, that digital technology, that human interactions with di digital technology and the algorithm were, you know, this had social effects, technology has social effects, he insists on this, and uh, Stiegler was part of a working group that was trying to find ways to, um, I guess, heal us from the mixed blessing of digital culture. Do you feel, do you feel that he was trying to heal us from mixed blessing or really to sort of mitigate the damages. Well, maybe that, maybe I, I, I think we're saying the same thing, right? Or were there heal, I guess he did healing sound grander? I think so. I mean, I guess, I'm, trust me, the last thing I'm gonna try and do today is be pedantic, but I'm, the reason I ask is because this is not like, if I think you're healed from something, right? This is a permanent state of fix. Um, I, oh, I, I don't, I don't, See, you know, we, we've talked about Jonathan Crary, who has a similar perspective uh, as, as Stiegler in terms of this is 
24 seven carries with it problematic uh, baggage. Uh, Crary has a very dark view of it. Uh, Stiegler, there's optimism, but I don't know that that optimism is um, about a cultural healing. One's never healed from the pharmacon or that it's, well, I guess, I guess that's my, that's my, my question is because Stiegler invokes the pharmacon and even says something to the effect that, well, I think one of his lines is that the pharmacon, the, the, the negative effects of the pharmacon are inevitable right as long as they're not interrupted and so there's right. the right. possibility but i don't ever get the sense that that there's uh, a permanent interruption i would i uh to the best of my knowledge i think uh dr rapici is totally correct on this and you are allowed very helpfully you allow me a way to i'll just go back briefly and try to amend my definition of ours industrialists. I much prefer your discussion. I much prefer how you did it. You, you, what did you just suggest? And I want to use your wording now. I want to copy it. Um, the ours industrialists are applying. It's a group that was meant to not heal, but to mitigate the effects. It was a, group, a consortium that was trying to think of ways to mitigate the effects right. of the digital and they're the new digital environment. Yeah. And, and Stiegler, Stiegler's approach to this was primarily legal. Yes. Yes. And we're going to discuss that. Okay. Yeah. So um, one last bit from the wiki page as a reference to both of us, because this is yet another thing I didn't know, um, but we're going to be discussing this term. I thought I would bring it up here because we're going to be discussing this term. We already invoked it. Uh, and Michael, did you know that he founded in 2010 a school of philosophy that is pharmacon.fr? That's the domain name, pharmacon. So if you do, as I did, if you key in, this is in 2010, he was ahead of the curve. If you, if you, um, Type in in whatever search engine as I'm as I'm doing right now. Digital in your digital online life. If you type in pharmacon.fr, you will find you will be forwarded to about a hundred thousand lectures <laughs> on the nature nature of the pharmacon. And, you know, uh, according to Stiegler, it's basically a lecture course explaining the pharmacon and its relation to technology. And so I don't know if you've known this, uh, if you if you notice this or not, but the image at the top, he has the flying fish. Apparently, that is I read it, I, you know, just before our meeting, I saw many people posting <laughs> about the flying fish. <laughs> <laughs> he has many people posting about the flying fish. He lectures on the flying fish, uh, which might be another episode for our podcast. But you will also see a series of letters. The other thing that I came across was prominently a picture of Plato. Not shocking, right? right? Uh, it, it isn't on that side, but if you tool around, you'll see that his lectures are often, actually, he starts, in other words, with his discussion of the pharmacon. And um, what he does differently to uh, Plato's term. Okay, now at that point, we're 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 clearly into our to do list for today. 
sure. where we want to. Uh, so Bernard Stiegler, the Automatic Society, and we want to. We can't really talk about that huge book. It would take a lifetime. But what we're going to do, because we're teachers, we have to do the impossible. We have to make it happen. We have to make it possible. So what we're going to do is we're going to say, is it five different terms? Yeah. We had four. So we, and again, this, we, we've been talking about this book with a pretty consistent focus for a year now. Um, so there's, the, these are um, some of the, you know, we went through and decided that these were the four areas of focus that are most uh, significant in terms of the other discussions he has. And we pick up on the other discussions in other places, but we had identified uh, 24-7 society, uh, the algorithm, uh, what he calls retentions, and then his use of the pharmacon. And so, um, you know, in a way, I, I don't know that it matters where we start with this because they're all so closely interwoven. But where, where, would, where would you like to start with this? Let's start by describing, well, I agree with you, but let's start by trying to describe either the algorithm or the 24-7. Maybe, how about we do this? This is arbitrary, but what does he mean by the algorithm? I'm going to ask you a question, Michael, and you're going to answer it. I will, by God. In a democratic fashion. Uh, and this will answer your, you know, this will be my answer to your question of where we begin. How about we do this? What is an algorithm? Why is it potentially harmful? Okay, so um, my answer to this, and I want to just be clear, this is not Stiegler's answer. This is my answer right now, is that an algorithm is, a, is an equation. Right. It, it is a, okay. um, a, a process for coming up with a conclusion of some sort. And Stiegler's. So I'm going to. I think you are giving us Stiegler's definition. And yeah, but I don't I don't I don't want to I don't I don't want to 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 look, we'll get there. But so I think and this this is the problem with trying to pick a starting point. I'm going to actually answer the question of the algorithm and why it's dangerous by discussing mm-hmm. Retentions and what he calls the tertiary retentions. Okay. Okay. Stiegler has what he calls well. He he has he has three different forms of retentions: the primary retentions, secondary retentions, and the tertiary retentions. And for him, tertiary retentions are media artifacts, and these are generated by our interactions with contemporary media. Right. So this is what happens when we use the internet, when we use our phone. Um, when we engage with any sort of media. And his concern is that these tertiary retentions are calculable, meaning we can trace them, we can play with them, we can, we can do what Google does with them, and we can create personalized um, responses based on an individual's interactions right. with media. And these are then fed into algorithms. So basically what Stiegler's concern here, uh, as I'm reading it, is that the algorithm is dangerous because it makes certain aesthetic uh, and certain, um, oh God, what, 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 what's, what's the, the, the other side of that coin? Certain um, just 
informational decisions for us, right? That we are no longer able to access the world that we live in without this film or lens that the algorithm applies for us. And so I think part of his concern, I'll answer this in two parts. Part of his concern is that there is a remove between our experience of the world we live in and whatever sort of natural state that world may be in, right? We're not able to access the real. This is sort of uh, the simulacra, simu- uh, uh, what is it? Um, it's a simulacra, but uh, why am I not getting it? Yes, it, it's, it's no longer the real, right? We're living in, in, in a model. Uh, so that's the first problem. The second problem is that um, we can never catch up to or outpace the algorithm. So it's always going to be steps ahead of us. So I think that at, at the center of Stiegler's concern is, the, is his belief that the algorithms that structure and give meaning to our experiences of the world are not giving us accurate experiences of the world. They're, they're, because, well, is it that? Or uh, I, I think they're giving, I, they're giving us partial experiences. We'll say they're they not. Are. And they're, I, think there's the, there, I think there's something even more important than that though, but you're about to, maybe you're about to say it. Well, that it just, is giving us a, a different, it is giving us a constructed, a very, but, but, but in giving us that constructed reality, yeah. it is simultaneously denying us the opportunity mm-hmm. to construct these realities ourselves. Which we do have. Well, through through critical thought and through, through and through I, un- that I, I was waiting for Dr. Yeah, Rich yeah. And, and, and through, that's through, really crucial. I think. Right. So this so this mediated engagement denies us of the well, it does two things. One, it denies us of the opportunity to create our own realities. Right. And then two, it lessens any incentive we have to critically engage with the realities we're given, because essentially it's just the saccharine version of life, right? We are given what we want. We given what we like, we're given what, and then we become dependent on this and we become essentially, you know, algorithmic junkies. Right. That's right. So that can I use the, what to me, Emma, you're going to be embarrassed. Our listeners will be embarrassed. Everyone will be embarrassed, but I, this is the best way for me to, well, but I don't want to interrupt. Okay. I, I interrupted you there. I didn't want to. I was going to give it an example. No, I, 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 I just. But I, I also don't. I, I sense I just you were going to do another extrapolation. Please. No, no, no. I, that was that was that was my best chance. My, my best shot at explaining. So no, it was very good. It was very good. So I was going to give my own. It's slightly different, but I was going to talk about my own personal experience that might mm-hmm. be other people's personal experience in dealing with obnoxious algorithms. YouTube does this, but really TikTok, which I don't think Michael has, right? Do you have? No, I, 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 I don't want these government spying on you. And I really need to get, get them out of my um, personal phone. Barry, I'm convinced that your the Chinese government is wildly engaged in your life. And I don't think there's ever any chance. This is like a cockroach infection. They're, they're not, they're not going anywhere. You're, 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 too, you're, you're far too yeah. interesting. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that TikTok is the ultimate example of this because what TikTok allows you to do and encourages you to do to get trapped through the swipe, you get trapped in the algorithm. So the algorithm is, and I'm using 
Algorithms are created, I'm, I'm reading from um, Stiegler here. Algorithms work by collecting data and applying computing to these massive data sets of information collated. I, I, I copied this down poorly, but basically what the algorithm doing is it's collating and organizing a massive data set that consists of our responses to things. So I'm getting to TikTok. Mm -hmm. So the TikTok algorithm is addictive for this very reason, because all you have to do is swipe once or twice um, at somebody dancing. If you like it, you and you you stay on it. So the information that's being compiled, you watch the entire dance skit, right? A lot. There's a lot of dancing and uh, on on TikTok. In fact, I think that's primarily how it started. Now it's it's changed, but primarily started as a way of sort of virally communicating or or, or communicating dance moves, in which it did you know at a an incredibly viral, amazing uh, scale. Okay, so here's how it works. If I watch entire dance move for a minute, it record TikTok records that I stayed there the whole time. But stay there if I stay there the whole time. When I swipe again, it's going to give me another one, and it perfects a lot of times when people go. I'm sure most. Everyone has this experience with YouTube. You go to see a video by your favorite band, but then you see other recommendations that are that are prompted by the your initial choice. And then you end up in what we call rabbit holes or wormholes, where you're just like watching videos for three hours. And they may or may not be very uh, closely related with what you're, you know, what, what you initially search for. TikTok really is the perfection of this kind of addictive algorithm. So relating this to Stiegler I, and, and to what you said, Michael, um, what's happening in those cases where we always get automatically what, what TikTok is generating automatically is what they saw that I liked. Mm -hmm. um, it will feed me that for hours if I want. And it will adjust as you make and it will uh, preferences. And it adjusts minutely. I read about their algorithm. And so let's say that all of a sudden I don't want to see dance moves and I change. It will adjust to that. Mm -hmm. And it will start uh, doing other things along those lines. It will start getting, it adjusts to the input, the data collection that it's performing on. It. So what's the problem with this in Stiegler terms? As you were saying, it short circuit stop because it's giving you an automated form of thought. And, but the automated form of thought that it's giving me is just my likes and my personality and my, my kinks, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, my fetishes, however you want to describe it. Likes, dislikes, it's giving it repeatedly in a, in a, in a feedback loop. So that has substitute. So what's dangerous about that? For Stiegler, you're always getting what you want, so you don't necessarily think of alternatives. Yeah, the other problem with this as well, I think that's just an interesting offshoot here, is that by nature of the way these things are designed, it's immersive, right? Exactly. So, so you are responding 
with this impulsively. There's no, you know, one of the things that, and I don't know TikTok. I I don't even know that I've seen a TikTok video, to be honest with you. Um, but unlike other forms, this one, the swipe, you know, it, it it it's well, actually not unlike other forms, exactly like other forms. You know, you're this is engaged. You're either in it or you're off of it, and it is very, very well designed to keep you in it. Keep you the, in it. There's there's no thought about why did I like X or why exactly. did I not like Y. It's just did yeah. I or didn't I? You know, in a way, uh, terrifyingly, uh, I'm thinking of this, and I think of all of the dating apps that advertise swipe left, swipe right. Oh I yeah, mean, yeah. We, I mean, we, it's the same thing. It, it, it's the same thing. We've really just been sort of uh, conditioned to respond as or excuse me to react as opposed to even respond to these things right like we just we 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 react to the stimuli and uh again this is his problem they're always a step ahead of us before we know or have time to reflect upon what we've done you know you're only reflecting after the fact and by that time you've been categorized you've been timed exactly. you've been you you have given a tremendous amount of data that has done a tremendous amount of thinking uh, and given the amount of connectivity among these apps, and if we think about, again, the way the algorithm functions, this does not just function in one space, right? I mean, the, one of the big terms that we don't have here on our little list of four, um, but one of the, the, the driving terms that Stiegler uses is reticulation, right? Everything is connected. I mean, this is the butterfly effect, right? So what happens over on TikTok is gonna, in some way, yeah. affect what's happening with Google, which is going to affect in some way what's happening with the news that you receive. And that there's, there's yeah. just this massive web of influence um, that I think Stiegler is very much concerned about in terms of how it shapes our worldview and how it positions us. And, and uh, moreover, what I find very interesting, and I think Stieg would not surprise Stiegler, is you were saying you're not on TikTok, you haven't seen a TikTok video. It's interesting though, if you want to, you have been on YouTube, right? I, I mean, I have. YouTube for the last two years now has been hosting its own, has a kind of, I, I still, I need to read about it um, because I can't quite explain what the hell is going on with this. But on my YouTube feed, on my homepage, I see TikToks. See, I, 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 I would argue that TikTok is waiting for me with open arms. I would be willing to bet that yeah. if I were to hop on the platform, it would take the 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 algorithm at TikTok. It would be instant. It would know yes. exactly where yes. I want to go. Yes, yes. So again, this interconnection, this interrelation between media is part of literally part of the web. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to emphasize that. Okay, let's jump. Let, let's I think we can cap off our actually I think we can cap off our discussion of the algorithm and maybe we want to segue from here to the 24-7 but let me say something let me add something that I hope is helpful that I called for my reading last night that connects to what you're talking about and that I don't think I think I missed in my previous readings of uh, Stiegler so yes, algorithm. Uh, Michael explained the the um, uh, the relation between algorithms and thinking, and the possibly negative consequences of thinking of the algorithm um, of this massive 
uh, data collecting that goes on with us when we enter, that happens every time we enter into a digital platform. Uh, and, and Michael, why was it, why was this bad again? Because it was hindering thought. It was a soundbite here. Well, well, why was it bad? Because I want to connect it to something else. Well, I think, again, I, I think I'd said that it was bad for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because it, it, it interferes with our ability to think and it shapes the way. And, and, and as a part of that, it, it shapes our understandings of, of our experiences in very it deliberate ways. That are, that, yeah, but, the, but those ways are not self-serving, even though we are led to believe everything is, you know, personally curated helping me and helping me serving me right it's 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 really just uh it, it that's just sugar to keep us engaged okay so one of the seamless web i thought of this point i had it in my notes something i just figured out last night from reading and rereading um when you i thought of this when you mentioned about the, the kind of web of technologies and the interconnections between technologies because Although he doesn't discuss it much, because Crary, uh, what Stiegler does is talk about a book we'll discuss, or an argument we'll discuss by the writer Jonathan Crary, a book called 24-7. Um, gosh, what was it? Do you remember the subtitle? We'll have to look that up. I'll get it for you in a second. Yeah. Um, but um, mainly because Crary talks a lot about digital platforms, but also television. He does, um, um, so Stiegler doesn't bring this up too much, but I think partly because his entryway into the critique of the algorithm that he gets from Crary, that comes from Crary, and comes from Crary's, most of Crary's critique is lodged at television. However, Crary's book opens up with a discussion of military intelligence and anti-terror strategies. And something that I read last night, I think, you know, when we're talking about this web of interlocking technologies that are designed to hinder, interrupt thought in a, or rather replace creative thinking with pattern thinking, or automatic responses. The ultimate example of this is the drone. So that really, Stiegler sees TikTok in line with the drone because the drone is the ultimate example of the algorithm gone amok, even though it's not based on data collection, but it is based on data collection, right? Drones collect data, mm -hmm. geographic data. They are marshalling data. But they're not selling it back to us. They're not imbricating us into the web. Nonetheless, what's happening in a drone is after the web, after the internet collection uh, of surveillance technologies that allow us to pinpoint where to pinpoint where to drop the bomb, all we have to do is push the effing button. Mm -hmm. Everything is prepared for us. We don't have to in the drone. In fact, if you're one of those, you know, I've read stories, you probably read stories about this too, about the, you know, the psychic consequences of, of the people who are pushing yep. those. Yep. Um, they compare it to video games. They, yes, think, yes. they can't think about the reality of the situation in a way. Well, again, because, because again, we're, we're divorced from the real. It, it's, so, yeah. Well, I just, just say, I mean, that 
that's part of what we're talking about too. When we're talking about the algorithm, I use the example of TikTok, but to give, I just want to make sure our listeners understand the stakes of this. So just the big web, it starts in TikTok or not even starts in TikTok. TikTok's a part of it, but everything's a part of it, including especially how we kill our enemies. Right. And just so, just to tie the two together, um, the title of Curry's book is 24 seven late capitalism and the ends of sleep. And the full title of Stiegler's book is uh, automatic society, the future of work. Right. So we've wow. got, so the, the, these, yeah. these two are, are really looking at uh, you know, what, 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 what the modern mediated existence looks like and where, you know, where, where the, sort of the, the, the uh, yeah, automatic side volume on the future of work and, and where the, the consequences of these may lie. So, so, I mean, I think, I think as we leave behind the algorithm, we want to leave the point that we want to make the point, Stiegler's point, we want to emphasize Stiegler's point that um, the algorithm is pervasive, including things, bringing things together um, and organizing a variety of institutions and practice and institutional practices. And it's not just something that happens on the internet. No, that's correct. That's correct. So how do you, let, let's tie this then to his discussion uh, or his understanding of 24 seven, and maybe we'll use the algorithm or his discussion of the algorithm as a jumping off point. So I'll ask you the question then, Dr. Falk. <laughs> Well, what is what is the significance of twenty four seven? And I think we probably want to focus on Stiegler, though Crary may become a part of this discussion. Well, I well, you know what? How about this? How about this? I'm going to talk about. I will answer your question, Doctor Rafiji, and I am going to answer it using Crary in terms. Sure. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Stiegler accepts certain parts of Crary and fundamentally rejects or you know, firmly rejects other parts of Crary. So I'm going to answer your question about 24-7, and I'm going to basically ground what I'm saying in Crary. But I will make the further comment that I think Stiegler would agree with my not agree with my summary of Crary, but I'm gonna to try to summarize Crary. He may or may not agree with that, but I think that there is a part of Crary's argument and his definition, namely his definition of the general tendency of 24 seven that, that Stiegler is totally on board with. However, there's a lot of Crary, and I think we're gonna end up discussing this. This is a segue maybe to the Pharmacon yep. because um, there is a part of Curry's argument that Stiegler rejects. And I think we'll get to that next. But first, I'll try and answer your question about what is, how does Crary define 24-7 culture? And what is his stance on it? And I think in speaking for Crary or trying to speak for Crary, I think I'm also speaking for Stiegler as well. At a certain point, I'm, tr I'm trying to make this other point that uh, at a certain point, Crary and Stiegler, Stiegler does not align himself with Crary. So if we go too deep in his arguments, 
we're we're going to be only in Crary's arguments and we're not going to be illuminating secret stories. Okay, but this first part of it, I'm sorry for that that prologue, but let's see if I can quickly answer. Well, the first example of 24/7 that Crary gives is television. But well, maybe let's let 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 I'm sorry to interrupt you very but let's start maybe by what is 24/7 before we start 24, to well, it, it's this idea, okay, it's this idea that 20, you're right, I should, and I guess I'm not as prepared for that. Let me think a moment here before I say the examples of it. Um, so my, my take about 24-7, right? Obviously, the 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, this is commonly understood as sort of the full uh the, the full barrel of time that we have, right? When you say, oh, I'm, I'm working 24 seven, it's nonstop, okay? The problem, um, I, I think the reason that Crary and Stiegler are both invoking 24 seven, because I think they have the exact same conception of the significance of this, is that our lived experience, the 24 hours we have a day, seven days a week, have become an algorithmic byproduct. Right, that we have this notion, we 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 can use the term twenty four seven, because uh, capitalism never stops, and that our existence within a twenty four seven framework is unrelenting. It is unyielding. There is always something happening, and to go back to the discussion of TikTok, right? These devices, these technologies exist outside of time. It's not to say that they don't account for time, but <laughs> you can wake up at any point in time and log on and it is waiting for you. And so I think that the point that I was focusing on mm -hmm. is that our 24-7 existence has become algorithmic. It has become a computation. We now live within a, um, a, a, a data collection machine that never stops. And you can go so far as to say, you know, when you, you our, our smart technologies, which are so widely lauded, which I wrote on, right. Um, track you when you sleep, right. We, we, I, I, you know, we, we hand off the, the, the uh, alarms and the news and the wake up routines and the go to sleep routines to devices like Google, which or you know, or, or or Alexa, where we say, "Hey, you know, uh, set my alarm, do this, do that." Like our entire existence has become monitored and um, you know calculated. This is why we have this podcast for Doctor Rapici to save my bacon. That was a brilliant description of twenty four seven. Let me. Okay, so my notes totally failed me, but after okay, your like, brilliant description. I think they will, they will, they're going to serve me from here on in. Good. But thank good. you for saving my bacon there. Uh, let me try to, let me try to summarize um, your, your longer description and see if I can do a sound by them. Sure. Sure. Based on what you just said. And finally answer the, your initial question. See if you agree with this 24 seven describes the new reality that our existence is retailored, is being retailored or refashioned 
in order to accommodate the always on, always activated time of the workplace and of the online shopping venue. In other words, in but late capitalism, uh, you can buy any, you can log on at any time. Digital technologies allow you to log on anytime. They allow you to work, at, as we know in our COVID era. They allow you to work at any time. They allow you to buy at any time. Digital technologies and, and, and the new rhythms of the workplace and of shopping, they leave no time for sleep. It's but That's it's more, the world he's trying to describe. I, I agree wholeheartedly, but I think that there's another part of this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they additionally, so in, in addition to sort of marginalizing sleep, they allow us to be continually surveilled and commodified. So part mm-hmm. of this is the idea that yes, we can now consume at any point if any day from exactly. any from anywhere. But I think equally uh, of equal concern is the fact that they also put us as they, they, they put us forward, put us forward as commodities at yeah, every absolutely. point of every day. Mm-hmm. And so it, it would be bad enough if it was just like, look, you can always buy. But the, the larger problem to my mind, I, I think that this is not necessarily Stiegler or Curry's primary concern, but the, the, an equally significant problem is the fact that we are continually up for consumption around the clock. And yeah. uh, I, I think that where you were going, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that you were going with the marginalization of sleep uh, coincides with our abilities to dream or to think yes, or yes, to step yes. aside. And that again is the problem is that this 24 seven sort of strengthens, strengthens the algorithm at the same time that it minimizes our ability to step outside of it. But I was trying and failing, but I was trying to do a soundbite. So I thought the best way to do a soundbite of what 24 seven is where we, you already gave us nuances mm-hmm. and I want to also, and I also want to do another nuance of it. But I was trying to do the soundbite, and I, I think the soundbite would be that 24-7 represents a great realignment. Crary's writing in t- 2012 or something like that. I think. Mm-hmm. It's a great realignment so that your existence is being redetermined, realigned with another set of priorities, with another set of possibilities enabled by the digital world. That's still not a soundbite. But the key word for me is this realignment. That, that's what I think is the, the, the key focus of this. That this is a massive global redefinition or realignment of the human, of what we do 24-7, of how of our everyday life, everyday lives, literally our everyday lives. So I think that's that's an important part of it. You started talking about the negative things. And here, where my notes failed me earlier, here they're helpful. Here, I, I nodded. So these are two criticisms of the 24-7. You know, what's the problem with being realigned with the internet? I want to be aligned with the internet. I want Absol- my MPD, right? 
right? Yes, so you do. what's wrong with that for Crary? And I, I think what's wrong for with it for Crary is what's also, I think this is, like I said, the point where Stiegler and Crary align, where, they, where they're reconciled, where they're in agreement. Okay, so page 66. Um, the point of the 24-7 realignment is to keep you connected keeping you connected. This isn't an exact quote, but these were some nuggets that I pulled from page 66 of the Automated Society. The problem with being connected 24-7 is that it inevitably, this is a quote, interrupts your life. Mm -hmm. It's interrupting your life. Why is it a problem to interrupt your life? Why not? I want to interrupt my life with TikTok. Ah, this is Crary and I think also Stiegler. Ah, but the interruption, the possibility of constantly interrupting your life with the internet, what automated means of thinking and automated reality is that it eliminates, this, is, this gets into a quote, I think, it eliminates the time of deliberation and decision-making. So we're back to this idea that you were talking about earlier, Michael, about um, the algorithm, the problem of the algorithm, right? With the ersatz reality, with the simulacra, it's getting in the way that 24-7 is a zero-sum game, pretty much. That's all we got. Mm-hmm. All we got is 24-7. So if you're connected all the time, if you're buying all the time, if you're working online all the time, if you're shopping all the time, then time is a zero-sum game. And you're eliminating, if you're doing these other things, you're eliminating eliminating the time of deliberation and decision-making because that takes time too. And so there's two- That takes time too. So this this does two things. Um, One, the the term that Stiegler uses for this time for deliberation, uh, which is central again to this argument, right? Is intermittence. Um, and, and, uh, that, that's, that's a key term that we could have chosen, uh, to focus on among the other four. Uh, but, but here we are with it, but something you said earlier, I think is significant to note, um, this move to 24 seven is not sudden and I I think yeah, but it's not a sudden real, it's a very gradual and continual realignment that has been in the works for some time. And you made a very, very slick. And I would guess that I don't even know that you caught it. Right. But you, you mentioned, I want my MTV, right. That's money for nothing. That's dire straits. That's 1985. Okay. 1985 predates TikTok. It predates Google. It predates any sort of co- sort of uh, com- commercial applications for the internet, right? Um, I'm sure the military was using it, but at the same time, we weren't. But at the same time, even there with cable media, right? Which didn't offer us the Which immersive- But 24-7 news. It was, that's exactly what it was. It was 20, but if you think about what it was, it was 24-7 availability of the same rehashed content. So what we see is that the algorithm- as technology has allowed it, has grown infinitely more immersive and infinitely more customized. But even in 1985, right? And I remember in 1985 when this song happened, right? How, I mean, it was jingly, it was catchy, but by God, you'd sit around and you'd wait for it. 
right? Because it was that it, it was that little that little hit that you needed. MTV was incredibly addictive. It was, it was, and I think that this this again is that uh, it, it's a great example of this sort of um, move to keep you in your seat, in your right. space, so that we can sell to you, so that we can boast of higher ratings, so that we. I mean, you, we, for for as long as I can remember, we have been. Uh, fodder for the machine and the payback. And this is what Crary and Stiegler were really concerned about. The payback, the value that we get is nominal at best. You know, you, you get to, to what is, what, what is still, you know, arguably or inarguably a phenomenal song. And, you know, uh, it's great, but it doesn't, does it, does it really um, warrant the the hours and days lost <laughs> sitting in front of a television i got, i don't think so um but i i just i wanted to know i thought that was a really interesting movie like oh i want my mtv like yeah we all do and we're gonna sit around and wait for it well in advance of the internet we were sitting waiting for the internet um but this 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 question of intermittence i i think is central to his argument because that is the flip side of the algorithm you know so uh, Stiegler talks about the algorithm co-opting what it can and minimizing or sort of, um, what's the word I want to use for this? Just uh, excluding that which cannot be commodified, right? So it's the, the time for thought, the space for thought is really minimized, right? The algorithm does not want you thinking, does not want you making decisions. And so it does this by essentially de-incentivizing sleep. Michael, I think that's a good place to stop since you're bringing up the concept of noesis. This is something we could discuss in the next episode. Uh, I, I think you're right, Barry. Um, I enjoyed the talk today. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to the Critical Media Studies podcast. To find out more about the show, check out our webpage at criticalmediastudiespodcast.com.